If you're looking for a unique, finely crafted gift that's like no other, you have to check out bowandharrow.com. Bow and Harrow specializes in using reclaimed materials from a variety of sources to create heirloom quality products with their own story to tell. These incredible materials range from sports stadium seats to whiskey barrels to your favorite film locations and more. And every single piece they make is handcrafted in their Southern California studio. I purchased a black titanium twist ball pen, the Fitzgerald model, from them, and the quality and craftsmanship is second to none. To see their gorgeous pens, rings, cufflinks, cutting boards, serving trays, bottle openers, and more, visit bowandharrow.com. That's bow, B-O-W, and harrow, H-A-R-R-O-W.com. Bow and Harrow, bringing customers the highest quality handmade products that exceed all expectations. Hello, wonderful guests. Welcome to The Mouse and Me. My name is Scott, and I'll be your server today. Can I start you off with the jungle juice or frozen mint julep lemonade while you're looking at the menu? Okay, excellent. A jungle juice for you. Mint julep lemonade, mint julep lemonade. Do we have dough whip floats? You bet. Okay, sounds good. Dough whip float for you. Excellent choice. Before I put in your drink order, I'd like to take a quick moment to tell you about today's specials. To start, we have a new Magical Moments episode called Dining at Walt Disney World. If you're not familiar with Magical Moments, these episodes are different from the full-length interview episodes in that it's easier for me to talk about even more tips and tricks to navigating the parks and do deeper dives on topics like rides, shows, Disney news, and more. Next, you might be familiar with our famous Huey, Dewey, and Louie game. I play that game with my guests, and each game has different food questions, which is perfect for this Dining at Walt Disney World episode. And finally, we have some amazing food quotes. This first one is by Orson Welles. He said, My doctor told me I had to stop throwing intimate dinners for four unless there are three other people. <laughs> Here's another really funny one by W.C. Fields. I cook with wine. Sometimes I even add it to the food. Ernestine Ulmer said, Life is uncertain. Eat dessert first. Yes, Ernestine, yes. I'd be a liar if I said we've never done that before. Here's a quote from Barbara Johnson. Barbara said, A balanced diet is a cookie in each hand. She's clearly had a Jack-Jack cookie num-num. And if you're not familiar with what that is, more to come. Here's a quote from famous U.S. chef and author Julia Child. People who love to eat are always the best people. Aw, Julia thinks I'm the best. And finally, Anna Thomas said, We all eat, and it would be a sad waste of opportunity to eat badly. Mm-hmm. I completely agree. Well, while you folks look over the menu, I'll go ahead and put in your drink order. I have a jungle juice for you, two mint julep lemonades, and one Dole Whip float coming right up. There are a few different types of Disney dining experiences that I'll be talking about during this episode, so just to keep us on the same page, here are the names and descriptions of them. A full-service restaurant, also known as table service, is a proper restaurant where you're seated by a host or hostess, order from a menu, and are served at your table by your cast member waitstaff. Quick service or counter service restaurants are similar to a food court or fast food location. You queue up, order your food at a counter, and bring your own food to a table to eat. Basically, they're high-volume fast food eateries, which are aimed at serving a ton of guests per hour with relatively standard menus. A food stand, also known as a food cart, are freestanding entities. These are usually outdoors and offer a limited selection of items. A bar or lounge is primarily a sales location for adult beverages, but may also serve a limited food menu. A market is typically located in the lobby of a resort hotel. A buffet is exactly what you'd expect it to be. You get your own food, you are seated by a host or hostess, and waitstaff will bring you beverages. And lastly, a character meal is a dining location where Disney characters visit each table to pose for photos and sign autographs. Most, but not all, character meals are buffets. During my interviews, one question that I ask some of my guests is what they would change if they were in charge of the Disney parks. Tiffany Coburn said that she would make it easier to get a table at the restaurants without having to book a reservation months in advance. 
Now, there is something to say about planning, but Tiffany is 100% correct. There is absolutely something else to say about being more in the moment and not having to plan your trip months in advance. Tiffany also commented that she feels that once you book your reservations months in advance, your plans might change. You might decide to go to a different park on a particular day or have a relaxing resort day. Maybe you won't be in the mood for that seafood dinner you were in the mood for a few months ago. I'm glad she brought up those two points. I know them both from experience. So what's that phrase? Everything in moderation, right? I think that having dining reservations can be a good thing, especially if you know that you want to eat at a restaurant that historically gets booked up very quickly, like Ohana, California Grill, or Cinderella's Royal Table. Reservations are also useful if you're traveling during a busier time of the year, like the holiday season, spring break, or summer. And rather than search high and low for a table at a quick service location, your meal and seat are guaranteed by having a reservation. Also, it's a great way to take a break from the hustle and bustle of the theme parks. You'll be able to sit in a climate-controlled environment while enjoying a great meal while giving your feet a well-deserved break. If you want to make reservations, I strongly recommend making them as soon as the reservation window opens so you don't get shut out. At the moment, you can make reservations 60 days in advance through the Disney app, the Disney website, or by calling Disney. If you don't have a reservation for the Hollywood Brown Derby, for example, and you decide you want to eat there, you can always check the app as you get closer to the day and time you want to eat. People might cancel their reservations at the last minute, which will free up a spot for you. You can also walk up and see if they have availability in the moment. I was so pleasantly surprised on my last few trips to both Walt Disney World and Disneyland, I had some pretty good success without having a reservation. The longest I was quoted was 45 minutes, but the longest I waited was about 20 minutes. Being spontaneous was wonderful, and it didn't take away from my overall park experience. In fact, it enhanced it. So here's my suggestion. Spread your reservations out. There's no rule saying you have to have dining reservations every day of your trip. Look, I've overplanned and overbooked a Disney trip, and to be honest, that just made the trip more stressful. Having dining reservations for breakfast, lunch, and dinner is just, well, way too much food, way too much money, way too much planning, and way too much time away from rides, shows, characters, and catching up with friends. Plus, if you eat that much on a Disney trip and you're flying home, they'll have to check you at the airport as cargo. Okay, enough about reservations. Let's talk food. Because there's so much ground to cover, I'm breaking this down into two magical moments, so be sure to listen to next week's episode where I'll be talking about dining at the Disneyland Resort, but this week is all about dining at Walt Disney World. There are literally hundreds of restaurants and places to eat at Walt Disney World, and sadly, I have not been to all of them yet, so I decided to only talk about the places where I personally have eaten because I can speak to those honestly. I'm going to start with the theme parks, and we'll go in order of when they opened. So that means Magic Kingdom, which opened on October 1st, 1971, is up right now. Quick service restaurants serve a purpose, and that's to get a quick meal, to get in and out in a relatively short amount of time. The food at quick service locations is good. Not Peter Luger or the Columbia Restaurant good, but good. I've eaten at three quick service locations in Magic Kingdom, Cosmic Ray's Starlight Cafe, Casey's Corner, and Pecos Bill Tall Tale Inn and Cafe. At Cosmic Ray's Starlight Cafe, which is located in Tomorrowland, you can get burgers, chicken sandwiches, salads, chicken fingers, you know, the usual suspects. I had a cheeseburger. It was good. It satisfied the need in the moment. As you're walking towards the castle, at the end of Main Street on the left is Casey's Corner. I had a regular size all beef hot dog. It was a hot dog. It was a good hot dog, but it was a hot dog. They also have footlong hot dogs topped with chili and cheese or pulled pork. You can also get corn dogs there, but the best part of eating at Casey's Corner is the outdoor seating. If you can score a table outside, you're golden. It's a lot of fun to people watch. The castle is right there. And if you time it right, you can watch a parade or enjoy the piano player who entertains guests with ragtime music and funny one-liners and zingers. 
Probably my favorite quick service location at Magic Kingdom is Pecosville Tall Tale Inn and Cafe, which is located in Frontierland. There you can get cheeseburgers, carnitas, fajitas, salads, tacos, nachos, and the like. I've eaten there twice, and both times I had the beef nachos. My first experience was better though, because it was before COVID when the condiments buffet was up and running. The buffet gave you access to all you care to enjoy. Lettuce, tomatoes, shredded cheese, corn, onions, several different kinds of salsa, sour cream, etc. I just missed being able to add what I wanted, when I wanted it, and how much or little of it I wanted. It was just easy and it made for a better experience. For table service restaurants, I've eaten at Liberty Tree Tavern, Jungle Skipper Canteen, Be Our Guest, and Cinderella's Royal Table. I really liked my meal and experience at Liberty Tree Tavern. In this 18th century colonial inspired themed restaurant, they serve a traditional family style Thanksgiving meal year round, so make sure that you go in there hungry. They start you off with the declaration salad, which is mixed greens, apples, cranberries, and cheese tossed with their house made dressing. It's quite good. Then they bring over the big guns. The roasted turkey was tender and juicy. The pot roast was delicious and the oven roasted pork was very very good for dessert they have an ooey gooey toffee cake which is just ooey and gooey and vanilla-y and chocolate saucy and deliciousy i may have asked for a second helping both times they may have wheeled me out in a cart after the meal both times i ate it be our guest once and to be honest i think i'm good it wasn't worth the hype and that's just my opinion. Please do not send me hate mails or destroy me on social media or anything. Don't do me any favors. I had the pot roast and it was so salty. Not the angry, resentful salty, but sodium chloride salty. There are three things that left a lasting impression on me. The first was how dry my mouth was after the meal. The second was the cost of the meal. It wasn't inexpensive and the amount of food just wasn't in line with the pricing. And the last is how pretty the dining room was, which was probably the best part of the experience. So now I can say that I've been to be our guest, but like I said, I don't think I'll go back only because there are other options. On the kids' first trip to Walt Disney World, we took them to breakfast at Cinderella's Royal Table. Despite the high price, the food was solid, but the greater experience made it totally worth it. I mean, we were eating in a storybook setting in Cinderella's castle, surrounded by soaring stone archways, majestic medieval flags, and beautiful stained glass windows which overlooked Fantasyland. At the time, Ella was five and she was in heaven. She got to meet Sleeping Beauty, Belle, Snow White, Ariel, and of course, Cinderella. We actually met Cinderella before we got to the dining room. A Disney photographer took our picture, and at the end of the meal, we were presented with a physical print of the picture as part of the experience, and that picture with Cinderella is in a white Mickey frame hanging on the wall in our house. Also, for breakfast, I've eaten at the Crystal Palace twice. This restaurant is right next to Casey's Corner, set further back from Main Street. This is a buffet character dining experience, so I got to meet Winnie the Pooh, Tigger, Eeyore, and I had Piglet for breakfast. The, the food selection was solid. I mean, Mickey waffles, bacon, sausage, Mickey waffles, cereal, pancakes, Mickey waffles. You can't really mess up breakfast. Now, if you fancy yourself a photographer, here's a tip for you. If you want unobstructed views of Town Square, Main Street, and Cinderella Castle, do what I did and book the earliest breakfast reservation time. It's early. I mean, you're going to get up early to get to Magic Kingdom, but... This will allow you to get into the park before it opens to regular guests, and you can get so many amazing shots without any guests in them. The last of the restaurants in Magic Kingdom is the Jungle Skipper Canteen, and it's probably my favorite restaurant in that park. This place is the food version of the Jungle Cruise. Just imagine your Jungle Cruise skipper as your server. They used to have an amazing steamed dumpling appetizer, but they simplified the menu when they reopened after COVID, and it's not back yet. And while hope is not a strategy, I am still hopeful that they'll bring it back. I've had the hearty hard char sweet pork, which is served with vegetables and jasmine rice, Skipper Dan's Dan Dan noodles tossed with chicken and vegetables in a spicy chili sauce, and the chicken curry. I enjoyed all three dishes, but the only complaint I have is that the pork dish was really heavy on the sauce. If I order that dish again, I'll just ask for the sauce on the side. 
The atmosphere of Jungle Skipper Canteen is so much fun. The food is consistently very good and the servers truly plus the experience. They're friendly, they're sharp, and they're incredibly entertaining. During one of our meals, our server was so friendly and great, and in talking, I discovered that he loved the original Dole Whip. So I excused myself from the table, walked down just a little bit, and bought him a Dole Whip. He was allowed to accept it and eat it because it was given to him by a guest, me. He really enhanced our meal, and I wish I remembered his name. All I know is it wasn't Albert Schweitzer Jr. And now, snacks. My favorite snacks in Magic Kingdom are the Dole Whips. Shocker, I know. And luckily for me, there are three, three locations for these tasty little treats. The first is the original Dole Whip location, which is now Sunshine Tree Terrace. It's right across from Swiss Family Treehouse, so as you're heading into Adventureland from the hub, it'll be on your right. I've had the orange Dole Whip and vanilla swirl and loved it. It was a creamsicle. I love the taste of orange, and that's actually part of the contract for being a native Floridian. You have to love orange juice, oranges, pretty much anything that has oranges in it. If you continue along in Adventureland, the next Dole Whip location, Aloha Isle, is right next to Walt Disney's Enchanted Tiki Room. Here they serve the original pineapple Dole Whip, but there are so many options there. Over the years, I've had the pineapple Dole Whip, the Dole Whip Float, pineapple raspberry swirl, pineapple vanilla swirl, and my favorite is the pineapple coconut swirl. I love me some pineapple. I love me some coconut. I love me this Dole Whip. I've also had the pineapple upside down cake topped with pineapple Dole Whip. That was good. The last Dole Whip location in Magic Kingdom is at Storybook Treats, which is right next to the many adventures of Winnie the Pooh in Fantasyland. There they serve lemon Dole Whip. Amazing a game changer. It was so sour and so sweet at the same time. It was just so, so good. My taste buds were exploding. So you might be wondering, which is my favorite Dole Whip flavor of all time? My answer is the one that happens to be in my hand at the moment. How's that for a cop-out? Seriously, it's a tough decision. Coconut is one of my all-time flavors and scents and the lemon was just so tangy and delicious. I've always loved pineapple. I honestly think that whatever mood I'm in at that moment would determine my favorite flavor. Can you tell that I'm really bad at making decisions? On October 1st, 1982, Epcot became the second park to open at Walt Disney World. Between the World Showcase and the different festivals throughout the year, Epcot is a food lover's dream. I'll start in the World Showcase and I'll start, well, should I start in Mexico or Canada? That's a thing for so many people. I know that whichever country I pick, someone's going to want my head, so I've decided to use technology. Let's let Siri decide. So heads will be Mexico and tails will be Canada. Hey Siri, flip a coin. It's heads this time. Mexico it is. The San Angel Inn restaurant is muy, muy bueno. I had the Camarones a la Diabla, which is pepper and garlic sautéed shrimp served with poblano rice and roasted cauliflower. I absolutely loved this dish. The shrimp were cooked just right. They had that nice crunch to it and the texture was perfect. The sauce was tasty and not too overpowering and the poblano rice had such a nice flavor to it. Because it's poblano pepper, it had a mild to medium heat and really enhanced the flavor of the dish without taking it over. I liked my meal so much and we were so pleased with the restaurant and the staff that we went back a few nights later without a reservation and I had the same exact thing. Now for those of you who are wondering, we were quoted a 30 minute wait without a reservation, but got a text saying that our table was ready after about 10 minutes. Continuing on through World Showcase, I've eaten at Nine Dragons in China three times and it was nothing special. Let me explain. I was a kid when I ate there for the first time and what really made the experience amazing was an interaction I had with our server. So I need to set this up for you super quickly. I'm a huge James Bond fan and have been ever since I was in middle school. I remember the very first scene I ever saw in a James Bond film was the fight on the train from Moonraker where Roger Moore, who played Bond, electrocuted Jaws, who was played by Richard Keel. Okay, so 
I was such a huge James Bond fan that my parents had a 007 nameplate made for me. It wasn't a huge nameplate. I mean, it wasn't obnoxiously large or anything like that. It, it was pretty modest in size. So back to Nine Dragons. There I was, sitting at our table with my 007 nameplate hanging from my neck. The waiter comes over with the water, and as he places my glass of water in front of me, he said, Your water, Mr. Bond. It was the coolest moment ever. I could have eaten dirt as my meal after that, and I would have thought it was great. So I had that amazing experience. I mean, for a moment, I was James Bond. So as an adult, I went back thinking it would be a great meal because of my first trip. I was underwhelmed and I chalked it up to it being an off night for the restaurant. So I tried it a third time about a year later and was underwhelmed again. While the food isn't special or great in any way, I'll always have that amazing first interaction with our server, which was special and great in every way. Moving on to Japan. Sadly, Tapan Ido, which is the hibachi restaurant in Japan, was also underwhelming. Of course, the theatricality of the meal was as expected, but the taste, well, there was no taste. The sauces were bland, the rice had no flavor, the protein wasn't seasoned well, there was no onion volcano? What the heck is that about? I just think that for my time and money, there are just so many other better options in Epcot. The next stop, Morocco. There are or were three restaurants in Morocco, and I've eaten at all of them. Restaurant Marrakesh was another favorite of mine, but sadly that restaurant no longer exists. Let me just pour salt on my wound for a quick minute here. The restaurant itself was stunning. There were intricate tile mosaics and tapestries and drapes throughout, and the stained glass chandeliers were simply gorgeous. I had the Moroccan chicken dish, which was so flavorful, and we also loved, loved the live musicians and belly dancers. It really was an exceptional dining experience. Definitely hit Tangerine Cafe if you like shawarma, kebabs, and hummus. Even though it's quick service, it's very, very good, and they also have an incredible pistachio baklava for dessert. The last restaurant in Morocco, Spice Road Table, is one of my newer favorite restaurants at Disney, in Epcot, and just in general. They serve smaller Mediterranean plates, and the portions are perfectly sized and fairly priced. The portions were actually small enough that I ordered two dishes for myself, the spicy shrimp and the pomegranate chili cauliflower. They were both so tasty and full of flavor. Just know that even though the dish is called spicy shrimp, it's not wipe your forehead with a towel spicy. It's a spice dish and has a little kick of spice, but just enough to make your taste buds quiver. What I really loved about that dish, the chunks of fresh garlic. Man, oh man, is that dish great. I was so content with these two dishes and I wasn't stuffed beyond mobility. And on my last trip to that restaurant, I saw another dish on the menu that read very well, so I wound up sharing it with a friend. It was the spiced chicken, and it's now one of my new all-time favorite dishes. I dream of it. The chicken is rubbed in a mint yogurt and spice mixture used in North African cooking called Raz El Hanout. The mixture usually consists of over a dozen spices, and the common ingredients include cardamom, cumin, cloves, cinnamon, nutmeg, mace, allspice, dry ginger, chili peppers, coriander seed, peppercorn, sweetened hop paprika, fenugreek, and dry turmeric. I also don't normally drink alcohol, but I was sitting on the patio overlooking the World Showcase Lagoon. The setting was perfect, and I saw that someone at the table next to me had Star, which is a Nigerian lager, so I ordered one, and I really, really enjoyed it. The next time I eat at Spice Road Table, I'm going to try my hardest to replicate my last experience. The last restaurant where I've eaten in World Showcase is Le Cellier in Canada. First of all, the pretzel bread that they bring over to the table with the butter that's sprinkled with maple sugar is quite excellent. It was so good that I asked for a piece for takeaway at the end of my meal. It was my dessert. I've been to Le Cellier three times and had the filet mignon each time. The reason why I had the filet is because the beef for the filet is a high quality cut of beef and it's AAA Canadian tenderloin. The filet mignon is served with mushroom risotto and asparagus tomato relish with a truffle butter sauce. The risotto was creamy, rich, and bursting with flavor, and the presentation was beautiful. The risotto was the bottom layer with the filet laying right on top of that, and then on top of the filet was the asparagus tomato relish, 
and that provided some nice texture to the dish. The first time I ate there, I added the seared scallops enhancement, and the next two times I added a lobster tail. The steak was cooked perfectly to my liking each time and had a beautiful char on the outside, and the seafood enhancements were incredible. My only complaint about the filet itself at Le Cellier is the size and the price. It was an 8-ounce filet and cost $59. I mean, it was seasoned and cooked just right and was incredible, but that's a lot of money. Just to compare, at Gallagher's on 52nd Street in New York City, you can get a 10-ounce filet for $58, so the price and portion size of the Le Cellier filet are not in line with each other, and while the quality of the food is truly excellent, the pricing-portion ratio is the only thing that makes it a bit of a challenge to go back. Now, would I go back? If I was really in the mood for a good steak? Absolutely. Coral Reef, which is closer to the front of the park, right near the seas with Nemo and friends, and Spaceship Earth was another great meal. The setting is beautiful. You get to look through huge panoramic windows into one of the largest man-made ocean environments on the planet. This tank holds enough water to fill 54 Olympic-sized swimming pools and has over 2,000 sea creatures, including sharks, sea turtles, and rays. You might even spot a scuba diving Mickey. When I was there, which was a very long time ago, I ordered the salmon and really enjoyed it. I haven't had too many snacks in Epcot, but I'll tell you my three favorites. The first I think was a seasonal or special item because it was during the Food and Wine Festival. It was a watermelon Dole Whip, and I got it at the Outpost and World Showcase. Another favorite snack in Epcot is the chocolate-covered pineapple spear from the Caramel Cuche in Germany. It was very refreshing, and probably my favorite snack in all of Epcot is the chocolate-covered marshmallows drizzled in caramel in the shape of Mickey Mouse at the same place. This last thing, and it really isn't a snack, I mean, it could be a snack depending on your mindset, is the grapefruit beer in Germany. I think it's pronounced Schefferhofer. If that's not correct and you know how to pronounce it, send me a message on the Mouse and Me Facebook page or email me at themouseandmepodcast at gmail.com. Even though I'm from Florida, I've never really gotten into grapefruit. It's just way too bitter for me, but this grapefruit beer is just something special. The drink is very light and crisp and has refreshing hints of grapefruit. The grapefruit taste is just powerful enough that you can taste it and feel refreshed without it being too overpowering. And we will be right back. Planning a trip? Call my friend Jessica Vila from Sweet Bay Travel Concierge at 623-225-9609. While she can book a trip for you anywhere in the world, she specializes in Disney trips. If you're looking for a more luxurious and personalized cruise experience, Jessica can help you set sail in style with Disney Cruise Line's Concierge Level. This service gives you priority check-in and boarding, early access to your stateroom and show seating, free internet, exclusive character meet and greets, a private sun deck, and more. But what if you don't want concierge level and still want to take a Disney cruise? Regardless of your choice, Jessica will make sure that every aspect of your cruise is perfect. She can also book you on an Adventures by Disney world-class travel experience. With over 40 adventures over seven continents, Adventures by Disney provides a culturally immersive, once-in-a-lifetime dream vacation. You'll get VIP treatment, the world's best adventure guides, special activities for junior adventurers, and more. No matter the destination, Jessica will put together that perfect trip just for you. She will literally handle everything. Begin your new adventure by calling Jessica at 623-225-9609 or email her at jessica at sweetbaytravelconcierge.com. That's sweetbay, B-A-Y, travelconcierge.com. Why have a regular vacation when you can have a magical one? And now, back to the show. On May 1st, 1989, Disney MGM Studios opened as Walt Disney World's third theme park. For a quick snack, I love Anaheim Produce on Sunset Boulevard. They have a pretty varied selection from churros and ice cream to pickles and fresh fruit. They also serve adult beverages, so basically there are options for everyone. I've had the pack of clementines and a pickle, but not at the same time because, well, that would be just gross. Anaheim Produce is located on the left-hand side of Sunset Boulevard as you're heading towards the Hollywood Tower of Terror. 
If you've listened to any of the interviews on the show, you know that I have two ultimate favorite snacks, the Dole Whip, which is not available at Hollywood Studios, and the Jack Jack Cookie Num Num, which is. This heavenly treat is a large, warm chocolate chip cookie, or more like a chocolate chip cake, It's about an inch thick, maybe three quarters of an inch thick, and is bigger than your hand. And you can get it at Market, which is catty corner from Walt Disney Presents Gallery and Exhibit. For full service restaurants, I like the 50s Primetime Cafe. This restaurant is a blast from the past when you walk into this all-American eatery themed like mom's kitchen. You'll be seated at a retro TV table where you can enjoy black and white clips from popular primetime shows circa 1955, which happens to be the same year that Disneyland opened. This restaurant has great atmosphere and fantastic and fun servers, and they aren't above giving you lessons in table etiquette and doling out the punishments to misbehaving boys and girls. They'll yell at you if your elbows are on the table, and if you don't finish your food, they'll call you out in front of the rest of the dining room, but in a fun, good-natured way. 50's Primetime Cafe serves classic American comfort food like fried chicken, meatloaf, pot roast, salads, and fish. My favorite appetizer is the beer-battered onion rings with horseradish sauce. I've had the pot roast, which is slow-cooked and very tender and served with roasted garlic mashed potatoes, brown gravy, and garnished with carrots, celery, and onions. It was incredible. I've also had the salmon Caesar salad with grated Parmesan and garlic croutons. And for dessert, I've had the peanut butter and jelly milkshake, and I'd definitely have it again. I'd have any of those items again. I've also eaten at the Sci-Fi Dine-In Theater restaurant where you can do dinner and a show 50s style at a drive-in theater featuring basic all-American cuisine and sci-fi movie clips. When you walk in, you enter a Hollywood-style soundstage where you're guided to your very own Automo booth. See what I did? Or table. There's kitschy vintage memorabilia and the illuminated taillights of your fellow drive-in diners and a sky full of twinkling stars set the mood as you place your order. They have burgers, chicken sandwiches, pasta dishes, and salads. I had a cheeseburger and it was fine, but what really made the experience great was the ambiance and the theming. Hollywood and Vine was also fine. We only ate there once back in 2012, and I remember the whole experience as being a solid 5 out of 10. The food was fair. It was also very expensive because it was a character meal. At that time, the characters were from Disney Junior or something. I I honestly don't remember. All I remember is I wasn't super familiar with the characters and that we had 10 people in our group, and this was the only restaurant that could accommodate us in the moment. The menu is much different now and looks fairly decent. It's still a character meal, and I'd give it another go, but just for dinner because the dinner characters are Mickey, Minnie, Donald, Daisy, and Goofy. Pizza Rizzo is another full-service restaurant towards the back of the park in the Muppets section. Again, the food here was fine. Put it this way, I'd eat there again if I couldn't get into the Brown Derby. More on the Brown Derby in a minute. In other words, I wouldn't run back. I'd walk back at a regular pace. Now, if you want one of the best pizzas of your life, I have a great place for you in Brooklyn. It's called L&B Spumoni Gardens. Write it down, look it up, and you're welcome. My favorite restaurant in Hollywood Studios, hands down, is the Hollywood Brown Derby. Here you get to step into the golden age of Hollywood at this warm, wood-paneled, upscale restaurant which serves contemporary American cuisine. The dining room is an authentic replica of the famous Brown Derby, which was a Tinseltown landmark steeped in glamour and glitz. The walls are adorned with caricatures of famous faces, a tradition that began with the original restaurant in Los Angeles. I've had a few dishes there, like the seafood chopino and the salmon, but my favorite dish is the simple yet famous and quite delicious Cobb salad that follows the recipe created by Bob Cobb. Is that really his name? Bob Cobb? say that three times fast, who is the owner of the historic California Brown Derby. This salad is served very cold and the amount of spit roasted turkey, bacon, egg, tomatoes, avocado, and the classic dressing is just perfect. Absolutely perfect. Now a traditional Cobb salad does come with blue cheese, but I'm not a big fan of the blue cheese, so I get extra avocado in place of blue cheese, and I'm as happy as happy can be. If you want extra protein or want to sub a protein, you can get chicken or shrimp for an upcharge. 
to finish up at Hollywood Studios, there's Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. Former guest Don Daryl Rivera spoke so highly of the Ronto wrap at the quick service Ronto Roasters that I had to try them on my next trip, and I did. I first had the breakfast Ronto wrap, which is scrambled eggs, grilled pork sausage, shredded cheddar cheese, and peppercorn sauce wrapped in pita bread. I then went back for an early dinner and had the Ronto wrap, which is roasted pork, grilled pork sausage, peppercorn sauce, and tangy coleslaw wrapped in pita bread. DDR was so right. Both wraps were super great, and if I had to pick just one of them as my favorite, I'd have to go with the Ronto wrap for lunch or dinner. This wrap was so good. How good was it? It was so good that when I went with a friend, as soon as we finished our Ronto wraps, we immediately got another one. They also serve Trandoshan Ale at this location, which is very, very good. As I already mentioned, I don't drink beer on the regular, but the beer here is, well, get it, you'll see why. Another quick service location that I enjoy is Docking Bay 7 Food and Cargo. The first time I was there, I had the pot roast dish, and I've had other dishes as well. I've had the pork ribs brushed with the tangy barbecue sauce, and I would have both of them again. Also in Galaxy's Edge, I've had both the blue and green milk at the milk stand. I like both flavors, but I can't really pick a favorite, so one time I had them just mix the two together, and there you go. That is my favorite. Lastly, I went to the only lounge in Galaxy's Edge, Oga's Cantina, where they specialize in fantastical drinks sourced with ingredients from across the galaxy. There's also entertainment, courtesy of Droid DJ R3X, who is a former Star Speeder 3000 pilot. I've had the White Wampa and the Gamorrean Ale. Both were good, but I prefer the White Wampa, which sadly is no longer on the menu as of this recording. Womp Wampa. Quick side note, the Blue Bantha is a non-alcoholic drink. It comes with a fantastic looking cookie. I had just the cookie, and while it looked fantastic, it was terrible. It had no taste. I would rather eat cardboard. Oh well. Finally, there's Animal Kingdom, the last park that opened at Walt Disney World on April 22nd, 1998. For quick service, I've been to Satuli Canteen in Pandora, the world of Avatar, and the food was really good. I had the slow-roasted sliced grilled beef bowl and a beach blonde ale, which is made by Three Daughters Brewing out of St. Petersburg. I know I keep on saying this and you probably don't believe me at this point, but I'm really not a big beer drinker. But the beach blonde ale was so good, I actually looked for it at other locations on property and happily found it at the Banana Cabana at the Caribbean Beach Resort. Both Flame Tree Barbecue and Restaurant Saurus were decent quick service locations and they satisfied the need in the moment. I do have two favorite snack places in Animal Kingdom. The first one is the Harambe Fruit Market food stand, which is located right across from the entrance to the Kilimanjaro Safaris attraction. There are so many different options here from hot dogs to Mickey pretzels to the snacks that I had, fresh fruit and the grilled corn on the cob. The corn is somewhat similar to the corn at the Disneyland Resort. The major difference is at Animal Kingdom, a cast member cooks the corn on a grill right there in front of you. It was a perfect snack. My other favorite snack is Tamu Tamu Refreshments, which is also located in Africa. In the mornings, you can get muffins, danish, a croissant, a colossal Mickey-shaped cinnamon roll, and a sausage, egg, and cheese biscuit. And when they switch the menu over to regular snacks, you can get a pineapple dole with, with coconut rum. And that's why this is the best place ever. For table service, we've eaten at the Rainforest Cafe, which is located just outside the entrance to Animal Kingdom. The food was fine, the ambience was fine, the service was fine, and I might go back if there weren't other options. I liken the Rainforest Cafe to the Hard Rock Cafe or Planet Hollywood. Do you remember those? Those were great when they first came out because they were a novelty. They were so different and the theming was fun, but we've evolved a lot since then and the Rainforest Cafe is just fair. On my most recent trip to Animal Kingdom, I ate at Yak and Yeti, the regular sit-down restaurant, not the quick service location right next door. Here you can feast on pan-Asian food in a beautiful Nepalese-style restaurant. 
I ordered the steamed pork pot stickers with a soy lime dipping sauce as an appetizer. And for my main, I had the chicken tikka masala, which is boneless chicken breast, marinated in yogurt and freshly ground herbs, cooked in a traditional masala sauce and served with jasmine rice and garlic naan bread. I loved the dish. I loved it. I also loved the theming of this restaurant and our server was as sweet as sweet can be. The portions were just right. I would definitely go back. Tusker House is a character meal buffet and I ate there for lunch and it was really good. There were so many African-inspired flavor options and my favorite were the peri-peri salmon and the curry shrimp. It was more pricey because it was a character meal. I want to say it was in the range of like the mid-40s, but you get to meet Donald, Daisy, Goofy, and Mickey Mouse. The food options were plentiful and tasty, the staff were attentive, and meeting and spending some time with those characters was just a fun treat. Would I pay the money to go there again? Yup. The last restaurant I'll talk about in Animal Kingdom has the best food in the park, hands down, and that's Tiffin's all day, every day. Tiffin's is a great escape from the frenzy and activity of the park, and from the moment you walk in, the theme of travel can be seen and felt everywhere you look. Once you walk through the rustic front doors, you'll see an enormous map of the globe before you're taken to one of three dining rooms which honor the spirit of Africa, Asia, and some of the world's most exotic animals. There's also some amazing artwork throughout the restaurant, including photograph collages, paintings, and sculptures inspired by actual notes and sketches of the Imagineers who created Animal Kingdom Park. Tiffin's is categorized as a fine or signature dining and is definitely the nicest and classiest restaurant in the park. It's located on the right as you're making your way to Pandora. I've eaten there four times, and the only dish I've gotten is the surf and turf because it's always perfection. The dish consists of South African bray spiced beef tenderloin, seared scallops, potato pave, grilled vegetables, dania butter, and a cola demi-glaze. And as an enhancement, I order the Gobi Manchurian, which is crispy fried cauliflower tossed in a slightly spicy Manchurian sauce. I've also tried the lobster macaroni and cheese and it was so, so good. Tiffin's is the highest priced restaurant in Animal Kingdom, but the quality, presentation, and taste of the food and the ambiance and service is in line with the pricing. If you're celebrating a special occasion or just want to treat yourself, Tiffin's is the way to go. Disney Springs, the 120-acre complex with restaurants, bars, live shows, and shops, including the world's largest Disney store, is the next place to talk about at Walt Disney World. For table service restaurants, I'll start with Raglan Road. Eating there made for an extra great time because of the live entertainment. The singers, musicians, and Irish dancers were so enjoyable and really added to the experience. I ordered and devoured the shepherd's pie. I've only eaten there once, but I'd certainly go back. Also, if you haven't listened to my interview with Tyler Schwartz, you should. Tyler is a friend of mine who happens to be a world champion Irish dancer. He's truly unbelievable. I love watching him dance, and he's one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. And Tyler danced at Raglan Road, and during the interview, he shared some pretty cool stories about his career and his time dancing there. The other table service restaurant where I ate was T-Rex. We went with family, there were 11 of us in total, and I would recommend running, not walking, away from this place. T-Rex was probably the worst place to have any sort of conversation. It was so loud in there, I had a hard time hearing the person sitting directly across from me. The theming was cheesy, but great for kids who love dinosaurs. The service was mediocre at best, and the food was average at best. They had dishes like a Bronto burger, chicken Caesar Soros salad, Paleozoic chicken salad. Cute, right? For the love of Mickey, skip this restaurant. There are so many other places to eat. You honestly aren't missing much, and you can thank me later, and you're welcome now. Blaze Pizza is a quick service location and is a pretty solid choice for those who love pizza and cleaner eating. They serve artisanal pies made with clean, simple ingredients, and they don't use artificial colors, flavors, preservatives, or sweeteners, and I'm all about that. 
At Blaze, you can customize any of the signature 11-inch pies or create your own by choosing from an assortment of toppings including meats, veggies, cheeses, sauces, and finishes, and the pies are cooked in 180 seconds. I created my own. I had pepperoni, sausage, mushroom, black olive, onion, and heartburn. Just kidding. My super thin crust pizza was really very, very good. For snacks and sweets, I've been to Ghirardelli Soda Fountain and Chocolate Shop and had a root beer float, which was just deliciousness in a cup. I've also been to Swirls on the Water and had a Dole Whip flight, which includes three different types of Dole Whip, each served in a martini glass. The flavors do change, but when I was there, I had Dole Whip Pineapple and Vanilla Soft Serve Ice Cream with a Pineapple Wedge, Dole Whip Strawberry and Chocolate Soft Serve Ice Cream with Heart Sprinkles, and Dole Whip Pistachio and Cherry Soft Serve Ice Cream with Roasted Pistachios and a Luxardo Cherry. I was in heaven. If you go to Swirls on the Water, post the flavors you had and any pictures you take with the flight on the Mouse and Me Facebook page, or post and tag the podcast on Instagram. So far, I talked about my dining and food experiences in the parks and at Disney Springs. So now, and finally, I'll talk about the food at the resorts, and I'll start with my lunch at Whispering Canyon Cafe at Disney's Wilderness Lodge. This is an interactive Western-themed experience with all-you-care-to-enjoy skillets of food, including cornbread with honey butter, maple chipotle barbecued slow-smoked pork ribs, barbecue pulled pork, citrus herb chicken, oak-smoked beef brisket, or if you're from Delaware, it's pronounced oak-smoked beef brisket, country potatoes, buttered corn, carrots, and more. It's a vegan's dream The food was really, really good, and I'd absolutely go back. Now, here's a quick tip. Even if you don't like, want, or need ketchup, ask for it anyway. Trust me, it's all about the ketchup. Another quick tip, take your time. There's a lot of food here, so definitely pace yourself. Ohana means family, and Tracy and I certainly felt that way when we had a date night there. Located at Disney's Polynesian Village Resort, Ohana provided an amazing experience, from the incredibly friendly staff, to the festive and beautiful Hawaiian ambiance, to the taste of the Polynesian-inspired food. Our dinner consisted of a mixed greens salad with a citrus vinaigrette and Ohana bread with honey butter to start. We then had the honey coriander chicken wings and pork dumplings, which were tossed in a garlic chili sauce as appetizers. For our main, we had wood-fired teriyaki beef, spicy peel-and-eat shrimp, grilled chicken with a Polynesian-inspired chimichurri sauce, ohana noodles, and roasted seasonal vegetables. And for dessert, we had the bread pudding with a homemade caramel sauce, and that was for the win. I have three tips for you. Number one, you have to go hungry. And by hungry, I mean almost to the point of being hangry. You have to resist snacking throughout the day. Resist snacking, people. Resist. Number two, while the signature Ohana bread is tasty, don't fill up on it at the beginning of the meal. And number three, don't let them rush you. You should decide the speed at which you eat. While incredibly friendly, it seemed to me that the staff were rushing us. The second we finished our salads, the appetizers showed up. And as soon as we finished our appetizers, cast members appeared with the beef, shrimp, and chicken. We didn't have time to relax and take in what we just ate. Just take your time, eat slowly, enjoy your meal, enjoy the experience. We were oh so pleased with our dinner, but would I go back again for $62 per person plus tax and gratuity? I would. Also at the Polynesian is Trader Sam's Grog Grotto. This tropical tiki bar captures the romance of the South Seas through unique food and drinks. Appetizers include sushi rolls, tacos, and dumplings, and they have a pretty large drink menu consisting of non-alcoholic drinks, specialty cocktails, beer, cider, sparkling and white wines, and red wines. I had the spiky pineapple, which is Cruzan mango rum, blended with Dole Whip pineapple, and I swear on everything that is holy, this was the best drink I have ever had. Ever. I just had a blast at this whimsically-themed lounge. It it was so much fun. It's decorated with these ancient artifacts and exotic treasures. The cast members are a lot of fun, and a few times every hour, these huge fans turn on, and the wind blows pretty heavily. Wind and thunder sound effects surround you, and don't be surprised if the bartender gets you with a squirt gun. 
Trader Sam's Grog Grotto welcomes the entire family from opening until 8 p.m. And after 8 p.m., it's limited to guests 21 years of age or older. California Grill is located at the top of Disney's Contemporary Resort and offers one of the best fireworks dining experiences at the Walt Disney World Resort. At 15 stories up, this restaurant has amazing panoramic views of the Seven Seas Lagoon and Magic Kingdom Park. I strongly recommend making reservations for this restaurant. We did, and we timed a reservation time perfectly and deliberately. We checked in for a reservation at 7 o'clock and were seated a few minutes later. After water and bread and looking over the menu, we probably placed our order at around 7.15. And when we were done with our meal, we headed outside to the rooftop and secured our place for the Magic Kingdom fireworks. Ugh. It was incredible. When it was time for the show to start, the lights dimmed and the music was piped into the restaurant, immersing us in the magic. Just, mmm. For my meal, I ordered the filet of beef, which was served with brown butter potatoes and braised carrots. And for dessert, I had the white chocolate cherry creme brulee. If you do eat at California Grill, just know that it's classified as fine or signature dining and the menu prices do reflect that. It really is a classy dining experience with great quality food and spectacular views. And it truly is a fantastic place to eat at Walt Disney World at least once. Boma, Flavors of Africa, is located at Disney's Animal Kingdom Lodge and is my ultimate favorite buffet at Walt Disney World. This restaurant resembles a lively African marketplace and features all you care to enjoy food for breakfast and dinner. I've had both, and I love both oh so much. Oh so much. Here you get to savor vibrant flavors from over 50 African countries along with some favorite American classics. For breakfast, you can start your day with a cup of full-bodied Kenyan AA coffee, tropical juice, and a wonderful assortment of breakfast items, including made-to-order omelets, pancakes, waffles, breakfast potatoes, carved ham, French toast bread pudding, pastries, fresh fruit, and turkey bobo tea, which is a type of South African quiche. Here's a quick tip for those who like donuts but are on a gluten-free diet. Because they're not out on the buffet, just ask your server if you can get some gluten-free donuts and they'll bring you two different kinds, cinnamon and glazed. At dinner, you can watch chefs prepare oak roasted meats, vegetarian specialties, coastal seafood dishes, fresh salads, and house-baked pastries in the onstage kitchen. My favorite items though for dinner are the soups. Every night they have four different soups including carrot ginger soup, butternut squash soup, chicken corn chowder, and my favorite coconut curry chicken soup. The last place I'll talk about at Walt Disney World is Flying Fish at Disney's Boardwalk, which is walking distance from Epcot. Flying Fish is a contemporary American restaurant that offers premium sustainable seafood and oak grilled steaks. Tracy and I ate there with our friends for our 20th anniversary dinner, and I should give you some quick history. Tracy and I met on a cruise. We had our wedding reception at a restaurant on the water. We took a sunset cruise after the dinner with all of our guests. We honeymooned on a cruise through the Greek islands, and we even worked on cruise ships together. So for every anniversary, we do something nautical, and flying fish was perfect. I started with the lobster bisque that was made with aged brandy and chive oil. It was so delicious. For my main, I had the Verlasso salmon, which was garnished with baby zucchini, carrot puree, and dill, and I added the seared scallops enhancement. I had a taste or two of the char-crusted New York strip, and that's what I'll be getting the next time. It was ridiculous. Flying Fish had a warm, welcoming ambiance, and the details in the decor and menu were a treat for our eyes and stomachs. I recommend making reservations as early as possible as this restaurant books up very quickly. Also, you should know that Flying Fish is another signature dining experience. Tracy and I were just super pleased with every aspect of the meal. The ambiance, the quality, taste, and presentation of the food. Our server was amazing. Our company was amazing. Everything was top-notch, and I highly recommend this restaurant. And that covers my dining and food experiences at the Walt Disney World Resort in Orlando. So how many restaurants have you been to that I talked about? Also, what's your favorite restaurant at Walt Disney World and what's your go-to snack and why? I'd love to know the answers to these questions, so please leave a comment and a pic of your food or your dining experience if you have one on the Mouse and Me Facebook page. 
And that'll do it for this week's Magical Moments. If you liked what you've heard, please subscribe to the show, rate and leave a review, and tell all of your friends. And if you didn't like it, well, tell your enemies. Be sure to follow me on the socials by searching The Mouse and Me. You can also email me at themouseandmepodcast at gmail.com and visit patreon.com slash themouseandme to support the show. Thanks for listening, everyone. I hope you have the best day ever and see you real soon. Thank you.